0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. There's really a lot of connections over here with the sweet Parashah and what's going on around us. And first I want to thank uh, the the Tevac family who is sponsoring this class because they heard the call of Lech Lecha. They heard the call of Lech Lecha uh, 20 years ago. It's the anniversary of the Aliyah. So Baruch Hashem, they're here in Israel. They gave us all a good example. And every way, in every way possible, they gave us good examples. Um, and we wish them blessings, many blessings, and safety and security in Aries Israel. And may you flourish over here, you, your family, your children, your grandchildren, Bis all of us should flourish over here in Aries Israel. And this Balagan should be over as soon as possible in the best possible way, for Ranashem, all of us. Um, so let's, let's just focus on the week's parasha and what does it have to tell us about our troubles today? And the answer is amazing. The more I look at it, the more things I find to connect the dots. And it's amazing because you learn the Torah, but you don't, person doesn't really realize we can see the future in the past. We see future events and past events and exactly what the Ramban in this week's parasha tells us. Maasei Avot Siman This is a very, very important idea, this idea. Maasei Avot Siman What happened to our forefathers and what they did has tremendous effect on us and what's going to happen to us. And that's, let's just talk about it. So obviously this parasha, Lech Lecha, deals with Hashem's command to Abraham Avinu. Lech Lecha, which is a very strange command. Go. Go to the place that I will show you. And today we know that place is Erech Israel. We know that place is Aries Israel. And Abraham Vinu ends up in Aries Israel. And the first one to literally make Aliyah uh, to Aries Israel through God's command. He went to Israel following God's command. And here we are. We are following in his footsteps. So it speaks to us. Anyone who made Aliyah is following in the footsteps of Abraham Avinu. And uh, we heard the call of Lech Lecha, we heard God's call, because God's call of Lech Lecha is not just Abraham Venus to all of us. His children, Abraham Venus' children, we got the directive to live in Eretz Israel, we got the directive to live here. Through Abraham Avinu, the was promised to Abraham Venus and his descendants. So here we are in Eretz Israel, we're fortunate to be following the call of Lech Lecha, so, uh tov, family, this is one of the best moves you made, Baruch Hashem, and I hope you agree with me. So many Jews today are hearing the call of Lech Lecha, moving from countries around the world, following the example of our forefathers, Abraham and Sarah, and everyone else who's coming to Eretz Israel. We're following their footsteps. We're hearing the call of Lech Lecha. We are, we are doing what they did. We are continuing the mission. And this is predicted, this in-gathering of exiles is predicted by Moshe Rabbeinu in the Varim. And Kibbutz Galiot, in the end of the Barim in Parshat Kitavo. If you want to look it up, it's chapter 30 of the And here Moshe Rabbeinu tells us the different sequences involved. All the bad things will happen to the Jews in Galut. And unfortunately, some of them happen to us over here as well. The blessing and the curse that I put before you, and then you will pay attention, you'll put it on your heart, and all the, the going that sent you in all the four corners of the world, you will repent to Hashem, you'll come back to Hashem, you'll listen to His voice, and uh, Hashem will bring you back. Hashem will bring you back in your captivity, have mercy on you. And he will gather you from the nations where he scattered you in the four corners of the world. So, we have the ingathering of exile that is based on Abraham Avinu coming to Eretz Israel. We have this history repeating itself today. So, there's Radoshem. We are following in the path of Abraham Avinu. Abraham and Sarah began the journey to a new land, a new faith, and that will become the background and location of the adventure of Jewish history. We are in. Uh, An adventure. Our history is an amazing adventure. Jewish history is a wild adventure. It really is the ups and downs of Jewish history. The fact is, with all the troubles and the persecutions and all the tortures of what we have withstood, we are still here, and we are stronger than ever before. We have to remember that. Thank God, Baruch Hashem. We are stronger than ever before, and we will withstand all these trials and we will be here to see the Gulash the redemption, complete redemption. But let's go back to Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha, go for you. It's a very strange language that Rashi straight away uh, uh, steps on and tries to explain this language. It doesn't say go, it just it says go for you. Lech Lecha, go for you or go into you and find out who you are. Go for yourself. Rashi says, go for yourself. If you stay here in Haran, that's where Avram Avinu was, Haran, with Terach and his uncles and his uh, cousins and his, his nieces and all the family. And Hashem says, Lech Lecha, go. Why? Why go? I just want to read you this. Rashi, Rashi tells us, for your benefit, Avram Avinu, you need to go, you need to leave here for your benefit now. If you ask someone, why are you going to leave? It's not, a person might say, you know, I'm going to leave up. I'm going to sacrifice my job, my career, my family, my money, my fam, my house, my this. And I'm going to go into a strange land. And Hashem promises him, it's for your benefit, Abraham. Sometimes moves, we don't know, they go for our good. Hashem says, Abraham, it's for your good you're going to go. It's for your goodness. Over there, I will make you a great nation. Abraham and Sarah are barren. Hashem says you go to Israel and that sacrifice, and movie, is going to change your mazal, which we're going to talk about in mazal Israel. There's no such thing as luck in terms of astrology. The astrology does not affect us. We're the children of Abraham Abid. We're going to see this a bit later in the parasha. But here Rashi tells us, in Israel you will become a mighty nation and over here you won't have children. Over here in Haran you're not going to have children. And furthermore he says your name is going to be spread around the whole world. Today, there's, I don't think there's anyone who hasn't heard of Abraham. This this amazing uh, human being, amazing human being, the forerunner of, uh, there was a front cover of uh, National Geographic a few years ago, Abraham, father of nations, a multitude of nations, amazing. And his name was known through the world. This is a promise that God gave him. If you go to Israel, this is what's going to happen. Two major promises. You're going to be a family. You're going to have a family, a large family. And everyone's going to hear about you. You are going to be an amazing uh, forerunner of mighty religions. And that was Abraham Avinu. Where we are part of that story of Abraham Avinu. We're continuing the saga of Abraham Avinu. And this is predicted by Moshe in the Torah. All the Jews will come back to Israel. And moving to Israel, we have to understand, required a tremendous sacrifice for Abraham and Sarah. Leaving parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, all their family, all the reputation they had built up over the years, all the wealth that they had acquired, all the houses that they had, and living in a movie to a strange land. And this is, the, this is the sacrifice they made. And Abraham has to sacrifice, submerge his ego. It's very hard, have to understand, to pick up roots and move like anyone else today who makes Aliyah. It's very hard to pick up roots and move is going to submerge their ego to God's will. He's going to hear that voice of Lech Lecha. So there I will give you children. You will not have children here. Your name will be spread around the world. The Midrash continues. Hashem says, I want you to serve me in Israel. Now we have to understand that. Israel, there's no other religion in the world that tells you where to live. You can be a Christian in any country. There's no mitzvah to move to Rome or Italy or here. Uh, You can be a Muslim in any country. There's no mitzvah for Muslims to live in a certain area. Judaism, there's a mitzvah to live in a certain country. You never have to understand why. And the answer is there are two kinds of monopolies. You've got to understand some economics. There's two kinds of monopolies. There's the monopoly, which is a vertical monopoly, and there's a, a, a horizontal monopoly. What is a vertical monopoly and what is a horizontal monopoly? Horizontal monopoly, says a person, say, owns a chain of shoe stores. That's all he does. He owns the chain of shoe stores. And he has all the shoe stores in the country. That's a monopoly, a horizontal monopoly. But if he owns the producers of the shoes as well, that's a vertical monopoly, going from the top to the bottom. All the religions of the world are horizontal monopolies. They all want to control people's destinies, whether this world or the next world. Judaism is a vertical monopoly. Uh, monopoly, which means we go all the way back. Everything has to be holy. The ground we're on, the place we live in has to be holy. The farmers produce the fruit. The fruit has to be holy. We have tithes that give the fruit. Everything from the beginning to the end has to be holy. That's Judaism. Judaism is a horizontal, it's a vertical monopoly. It's a vertical monopoly. And that's something where Hashem says you can only produce a vertical monopoly of religion if you're living in your own country. It's got to be a holy country. Eretz HaKodesh. Eretz Yisrael is a holy country. What does that mean? It's a holy country, and the answer is Israel is the link between heaven and earth. We have to understand that. It's very hard to understand that. There's a certain place where heaven and earth touch. There's a certain place where heaven and earth meet, and that's the place where Adam, it says, his earth was created from the, from the place of Haramoriah, And uh, Noah made his uh, Mizbeach on Haram Moriah. And Abraham Avinu brought all his altar on Haram Moriah. Everything was Haram Moriah. Haram Moriah is the point where heaven and earth meet. In the Holy of Holies, there was a place where the stone was, uh, whatever that is today. We're not exactly sure. We can guess very well, but uh, that's the holiest place, the holiest place. That's where heaven and earth meet. It's like a wormhole. Today we know about wormholes. It's like a wormhole between heaven and earth. So that's why Shem says, "Go and live in Israel." It's got to be; it's the Holy Land. You're going to go to Israel, and Israel was promised by God to B'nai Israel. And Rashi tells us interesting information, historical information. Rashi tells us that even though Eretz Israel was promised to Eretz Israel, he says uh, he says that uh, look at this: Bakanani The parasha tells us the Canaanites were in the land of Israel. And Rashi says, The Canaanites were conquering the land of Israel from the children of Shem. When, when Noah separated and divided up the land, Israel was given to Shem. Shem and his descendants, and at the time of Abraham, the Canaanites were conquering Israel from Shem, from the descendants of Shem. And so it's amazing to know this history that, this history that repeats itself over the ages here. Israel was conquered by the Canaanites. Joshua gets the call to conquer Israel from the Canaanites. And then again, Israel is conquered by the Babylonians, conquered by the Romans, by the Persians. And eventually we get it back. Eventually we have to get the land back. That's our mission to get the land back. And Hashem promises Abraham, we're going to see that your children are gonna get this land, but unfortunately you're not gonna get it in a very easy fashion. We're gonna get it through blood, sweat, and tears. This land is a land that you have to acquire, like Avram Avido did. He walked all the way around the land and he didn't even get it. He had to wait for four generations till the Jews came back from Egypt to get the land. So interesting this land is like you gotta fight for it. You go you gotta work for it. It's not something that's happens and you get the land and live in the land in peace and quiet it was taken away from us by the canaanites joshua had to come and conquer it It was taken away from us by the babylonians and then by the romans and and then by the ottomans and we had to come back so it's we're on the process of getting it back obviously there are there are pitfalls on the way there are uh, problems on the way there are obstacles on the way we have to take it so this is our land so that's another connection to what's events today. So, number one connection is Aliyah today. Baruch Hashem, we're seeing people make Aliyah. 200,000 Israelis came back. This says a lot about the Israeli spirit. 200,000 Israelis came back after the declaration of war. 200,000 people came back. A lot of them came back to volunteer back in the army. Amazing. Can you imagine? 350,000 reserves called up. This is wild. And we're going to see this in the parish. We're going to see everything that happens these days in the parasha. So Abraham Abinah moves to Israel. Unfortunately, what happens is straight away another obstacle. Famine in the land. There's a famine in the land of Israel. And Abraham Abinah makes Yerida. How many Israelis make Yerida? They leave Israel because of the economic situation. They can't manage. it's not the same. I had a beautiful job before. I can't manage now. i got to go back. So Yerida. Here's Yerida in the parasha. Yerida is part of the saga of Abraham really who taking the land of Israel as part of the saga. Here is the Yerida. And here I want to quote you a bit of the Ramban. The Ramban is amazing because he gives us a little ideas of what's connections between the, the present of Abraham Avrini and the future of, of Israel. Vahiri Ra'ar Ba'ar, there's a famine in the land. Abraham the The Ramban tells us Abraham went to the because of the Raab, because of the famine. To dwell there, to just to keep himself alive, time of the famine, and in in Egypt they took away his wife, they kidnapped his wife, another captive, here we are, one captive in the Hashem punished the Egyptians at that time with terrible punishments, and the, the pharaoh sent away Abraham and Sarah and gave him tons of presents, so that should be, that's the way, and Ramban says, this is the hint to Abraham. I mean, what's, Hashem is foretelling the future through this event, that the future generation is also going to go into Egypt just to dwell there as, uh, as uh, Yosef and Yaakov tell Pharaoh. you want to come and just dwell here while there's a famine in the land of Israel. So, this history was repeated and it's repeated over and over again. You know, there's famine in land, which means the economic, economic situation is not good. Jews leave, they go temporarily, and before you know it, they put roots in America, Africa, and Asia, and all over the world. But the trick is to remember to come back. Come back. This is our land. And 200,000 Israelis, I'm proud of them, 200,000 Israelis came back in the middle of a war. I have to understand that. Give credit. That is the spirit that will keep us going in the future bravery and courage and fortitude that's the spirit that we need uh, but this is a foretelling ramban tells us this is the episode with, with abraham and sarah taken to egypt the jews kidnapped is this is what's going to happen in the future he says they didn't want to let them go everything that happened to abraham happened to the children what happens to the forefathers happened to the children God says to Abraham, go and pave the path for your children. Okay, so everything Ramban says, everything that happened to Abraham happened to his children, and not just to the, the generation of Egypt, also to us as well, our generation as well. The economic difficulties, people leave, but you don't have to remember to come back. And Abraham, you know, Ramban does not mince words, he doesn't. He doesn't care about anyone. He just says what he feels about Abraham Avinu. Oh, I can't repeat what he says about Abraham Avinu. And uh, he, he, Abraham Avinu not, did not do the right thing. By leaving Eretz Israel, he should have trusted in God and stayed in, in Israel. And he shouldn't have told his wife to say, you know, my, my sister. He should have just braved it out and relied on Hashem. Nevertheless, we have to give excuse of Abraham Avinu. The... Uh, the great uh, great commentator, the Orah Haim Hafeber, says you can't rely on miracles. We're not allowed to rely on miracles. Abraham Avedo took this, this tenant of not relying on miracles a step further. And he prepared the way to survive a famine in a natural way. We're not allowed to rely on miracles. So that was the reason for Abraham Avedo. Okay, so we had, number one is the movement to Israel. Number two, Israel was taken away from us by the Canaanites. Number three, the Ziridah. Number four, coming back. Abraham comes back wealthy. He comes back with tremendous wealth. Pharaoh gave him lots of gifts, and that's the foretelling of the future where the the Jews in Egypt take out the bizarre, all the booty from Aries Mitzrayim. They empty out Mitzrayim, as the Haddadah tells us. And what happens is that they come back. But what happens when Jews are wealthy and you got brothers together who are both wealthy? Lot and Abraham were both very wealthy. And Lot, unfortunately, Lot, the great Lot, who sacrificed so much to come to Canaan with Abraham, Avido, his, his uncle, and it's also his brother in law because Abraham married his niece Sarah when Haran, her father, was killed by Nimbarod. And okay, that's background information. Abraham marries Sarah, it was Sarai, and eventually he takes Lot with him to Canaan. Lot agrees to come to Canaan despite the sacrifice. Um, and uh, Lot Now it's wealthy, Abraham is wealthy, they come back wealthy, and now all of a sudden, fights. Fights in the family, brothers don't get along. Oh boy, we've seen that recently in Israel. Unfortunately, we've seen that every Moshe Shabbat. Uh, Big, massive demonstrations, brothers against brothers. Can't we agree on something? Can't we get along? And just like today before the war, and different value systems, clashing. Lot was into money. Lot was into money. He loved the green grass for his sheep, his multitude of sheep. And there's two visions for Israel today, the vision of Lot and the vision of Abraham. It's very, very similar. It's tremendously similar, this vision of Lot. Where does Lot go to live? He goes to live in the most immoral, unethical place he could find, Saddam. Why did he go to live in Saddam? Values did not. Affects Lot. Lot did not care for values. Lot cared about money, lots of money. That was his name. Lots, lots of money. Lot for lots of money. He was into money, green grass for sheep. Where does he go? The Torah tells us he found a place of Israel that was like Egypt. It's amazing because this is an irony, right? He just came back from Egypt. And when he went to Egypt, obviously, he sees this this water that lived over the Nile. There's tremendous the all the green the, the grass grows all around the year doesn't have to need the rain. Where does Lot go? By saw Lot in and out. The Torah tells us by Yare Kolakikarhei Arden he saw the valley around the River Jordan, the Jordan Valley.
1: We we're talking about right down by
0: the Dead Sea. At that time was not Dead Sea. Kikula Mashke there was a lot of water before Hashem destroyed Sodom and Amorah. And it was like Gagan Hashem. It was like a garden of God. It was like Ganesh over there. with Mitzrayim. It was like the land of Egypt. Lot wanted to land of Egypt. Lot wanted to live in Egypt and Israel. How many Jews in Israel want to live like Americans in Israel? We want to live with all the luxuries of America. We want to live in the value system, the materialism of America, the freedom of America. We don't like this freedom of Israel, of religion. The freedom from religion not freedom for religion lot was into money green grass two visions for israel today lot and abraham the two visions so i tied into the parasha what's going to happen lot wealthy and secular abraham religious and wealthy okay i choose religious and wealthy okay i don't know about you but let's, let's choose religious and wealthy like abraham a video lot chose the part of israel that was closest to being like egypt Brothers agree to disagree. What happens is they separate. Lot goes to an immoral, unethical place where power and money rule, Saddam, an evil place. The Torah tells us, The people of Saddam were evil and immoral and sinners to Hashem. Murder like Gaza was on their minds. They didn't care about human life. Human life was not sacred. They had other priorities, money and having fun. So what happens is they separate. Brothers separate. You go your way, I'll go my way. And what follows this is something terrible. But between between the lines now, here, Lot goes his way. Abraham goes his way. Abraham stays in, in Canaan. Obviously, he's in Canaan. Lot goes to Canaan, but only to the place, Sodom. He goes to Sodom. In the meantime, Hashem promises Abraham, Abraham, the Rashi says over there, Abraham did not have a vision of God as long as Lot was with him. Only when Lot left him, God appears to Abraham. In other words, this, this, the idea that Lot was on a, a low spiritual level had an impact on Abraham, it was putting him down. All the time Lot was with him, God did not appear to Abraham. But it says Hashem said, I'll give you the land and children to inherit it. And Abraham builds in his bayah to God. He builds an altar to God. And then this is the result of brotherly fighting. This is the result. War! Number seven on our list is war. We find a world war. A world war. Well, I'm talking about a world war that time. No, it wasn't such a big thing. There were four kings against five kings. And the four kings were the powers of the time. And they invaded the five kings. And apparently what happened was that these five kings were paying taxes the Torah tells us they paid taxes for 12 years to the four kings who had conquered them. And then for 13 years, they threw off their yoke and didn't pay any taxes. It was all about taxation. The four kings against the five kings. And one of the four kings was a guy called Amraphel. Amraphel, Rashi says, his two words. Amor, amar, pol. Amar, Paul. Amar, Paul, he said, fall. This was Nimrod who threw Abraham Abenu into the fiery furnace. He just I said, throw him in. Amar Paul, throw him in. So he was one of the four kings against five kings. And the four kings are beating the five kings again. And they conquer Saddam. That's one of the places they conquered. And they take Lot and everything he had hostage. Here we have hostages in the parasha. It's amazing how many connections there are in this week's parasha to what's happening today. Here's Abraham. They don't get along, Abraham and Lot. And with all that, when Abraham Avinu hears this news, he doesn't hesitate in a single second. He doesn't hesitate a second. A second. This is like today. It's like all the reserves go to the war. There's no hesitation. I'm religious. They're not religious. I'm secular. I'm not religious. There's no hesitation. Why? As the Torah tells us here, just want to read that line. The guy comes back. He tells Abraham that Lot was taken captive. And Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive. He doesn't think one second. Oh, he's not so religious. Why should I save him? He went to Saddam, heck with him. I don't care anymore. He heard his brother, it's my brother. We're all brothers. All of us are brothers. Doesn't matter who we are, what we are, we are all brothers. Every B'nai Israel, we are the children of Israel. We're called the children of Israel. Remember, we're all brothers. All of us are brothers. And that's what we find in Israel today. We are all brothers. Unfortunately, we needed this war to make us all brothers again, remembering that we are brothers. But that's what Abraham Abinu, his priority in life was we are brothers. And straight away, without batting an eyelid, we are wrecking gets all the people in his household. And the Torah tells us there were three hundred and eighteen people he took with him, and he travels all night, and he overtakes the four kings with all the booty, and he gets them back. Bezalel Hashem would have the same outcome in this week's parasha that Abraham Avinu had. Lot he brings back back, Lot captures everything, he recaptures Lot, brings him back, all his family, all his belongings. He doesn't lose a thing. So you yeah, know, Abraham Avinu is a very interesting person because. You think Abraham is going to be a pacifist. He's a giver. He's a kind person. Yes, he is a very kind person. But when it comes to red lines, he knows where red lines are. He knows when to fight. And he knows when to be peaceful. He knows when your brother is at stake. You don't miss words. You don't fool around. You go and get him out of there. You go and get him. Unfortunately, unfortunately, this has repeated again in today's day and age. Abraham is a man of action. He's fearless. He's a warrior all his pacifism and his gentleness and his kindness, chesed, providing food and shelter for travelers, he's also a man of action. He has this dual character. that We're going to see that every Jew has to have this dual character. It's not enough just to be a sheep. We have to be a sheep in wolf's clothing. <laughs> we have to have the, the sword and the and kol we are dying We need both, unfortunately. We need the prayers and we need the weapons. We need both.
1: And that was Abraham
0: Benio. He could have just said, you know, oh, I believe in God, and God is going to save me. As the Orachim Akadar says, don't rely on miracles. Yes, we need miracles, and I do believe in miracles, and miracles will happen by Hashem, and we pray for miracles, but Hashem says, I help those who help themselves. And we see there's many places in the Torah, one of the places, very strange places, gets the order from God, go and anoint the Mashiach, go and anoint the next king, David go anoint the king. And Shmuel says, "Hashem, you know, if I know the king." And Shaul, who's the king now, King Saul, hears about it. I'm finished. He's going to kill me. You know, here he is, the great prophet Shmuel, worried he's going to be killed if he follows God's law. And God says, "Okay, I'll give you an alibi. Go and take a sheep and pretend you're bringing offerings with Yishai and his sons." Here we have straight away the commentary say that uh, Orakai Machaber says over here. And we learn from there don't remember miracles. Hanavi did not want to rely on miracles. None of us rely on miracles. Yes, we're going to go and get our relatives over back. We're going to get our hostages back. But oh, we never had to do this. I wish we had never had to do this. We don't like to do this. We like to make war. Abraham Avinu, man of action, fearless warrior, all his pacifism and gentleness and chesed, gave us this example. Sometimes there's a red line you have to go. You got to go and fight. Get your brothers back. We have to get our brothers and sisters back. Don't take my relatives captive. Don't mind. This is a red line. Abraham Avinu has a red line. He takes 318 men. Rashi says it was just one man, <laughs> which is wild. He says it's the Gematria word Eliezer. Eliezer was the son, was the servant of Abraham Avinu, and Eliezer is Gematria 318. Anyway, 318 men. So I said this also represents a little bit of what's going on today. 350,000 reserves were called up. I'd say, you know, let's round it out 318,000. You have three hundred eighteen in the parasha, and you have the 318,000 Hashem multiplied it for us, parak Hashem. So don't take my relatives' captives. They pursue, they pursue the captives, and they go all the way to Damascus. That's a long way away for people walking on foot. And they free all the captives, including Lot. As we will all be fortunate to do the same thing with our captives. which come back healthy and safe, As well. Number eight. Abraham meets his ancestor. This is amazing. This is really, truly an amazing story people that people just don't know about or they, they glance about. You can read the commentaries to know this. What happens is you're on the way back from, some, from the capturing, uh, getting back uh, lot and the relatives, and now it's a very wealthy man. He comes back with all the booty. And on the way back, there's a king that comes to greet him. Who is this king? Umarhi tzedek melech shalem, the king of righteousness, the king of shalem gives wine and bread to Abraham Avinu. And he was the Kohen to the great God. This man was the Kohen to God. Who is this man, Rashi tells us? No other than Shem. He was the son of Noah, an ancestor of Abraham. I wish we could see our ancestors. So what's the connection? Abraham Avinu and Shem meeting up. Wow, what what a meeting. This is a tremendous meeting. And we know that Israel was given by Noah to Shem and his descendants. And here Shem is still in Israel. Shem is... I, I guess he was just, uh, the Canaanites all around him. He just stayed in Yerushalayim. The rabbis say, Shalem is the beginning of the end of the word, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim. This is Yerushalayim. Malchitzerik was the Kohen. He was the priest of the high God. He was the priest of our God. He was He was the believer in God because he was the son of Noah. He was the most religious son of Noah, Shem. we the sense of Shem, and Abraham, Ibn, you meet Shem. And what does he do to Shem? What does he give Shem? He gives Shem tithes. The first tithes in history. This is the first tithes in history in the Torah. Avraham Avinu gives him Maser. He gives him a 10% of whatever he got back. From the war, he gives 10% to the Kohen of God. This is Shem, the great Shem. And we should all be, he was true to the vision and ideals of his forefathers, Avraham Avinu. Many generations between Shem and Abraham. Shem must have lived a ripe old day. Look it up, for 500 odd years. Wish we could do the same thing. And hopefully we'll see our own children and grandchildren following our paths. Just like Abraham followed in the path of Shem, his brother Shem. So Abraham meets his ancestor, Shem. And he gives him Shem, gives him bread and wine. And he blesses Abraham. And Abraham gave him a 10 mile ceremony mi'kol. He gave him a ten percent of whatever he got from the war. So Abraham is giving sedaka. This is something we have to remember when the war was over. Beis in Rabbah good, in good ways. We should all give sedaka and give thanks. That's how we give thanks to God. We he help the poor and the needy. Beis will All be able to give sedaka, thanking Hashem. Beis We should all be soon thanking Hashem, thinking When like and Tebi ended on a good note. Beis the also ended on a good note. And Tebi was a miracle, but we have to. There's the miracle as well now, as well. And Abraham Vilas, number nine, Abraham gave a tithe to Shesh, uh, Shem that became part of Jewish values, giving tithes, giving Seleka. Number 11, wow, this is amazing. The Brit ben Benabitarim. The Brit Benabitarim. We say in the Hagadah, we raise a cup of wine, we say in the Haggadah. This is what. This is what stood for us and our forefathers in the past and in the future. What is that? The covenant between man and God. God's covenant with Abraham. That's what saves us. We have to remember this all the time. It wasn't just the merit of our forefathers, it was the covenant. God took an oath to Abraham. Let's just go to that oath. It says, the sun set. And Abraham got sleepy. He fell asleep. You know, the, the prophets, except for Moshe Ibn, had to be asleep. They couldn't see visions without wide awake. They couldn't see visions wide awake. The only exception was Moshe Rabbeinu, is one of the big differences between Moshe Ibn and all the other prophets. And uh, he was very scared. He was terrified. It says he was terrified. And Rashi tells us he was terrified. Why was he terrified? He saw, we had premonition all the exiles that we went through. All the darkness of the exiles, this is a pretty scary vision he had. And he gets the message that your children will be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. Why? Because he asked the simple question, God, how do I know I would inherit the land? And that's the answer. Man, don't worry, he says, I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back, Hashem says, I'll bring them back with tremendous wealth. Israel will come back with tremendous wealth. That's how you become a millionaire in Israel. How do you become a millionaire in Israel? You come with 10 million. Okay? You come with 10 million, you'll be a millionaire in Israel. There's rather shame. all of us. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. This is the Britman of Batarin. This is what stood for us over the centuries, the merit of this covenant between God, the promise of God to Abraham. Okay, we are moving on. The exile promise, they're going to be in exile, they're going to be saved from exile. The Britman of the that stood for us over the centuries. On that day, Hashem made a covenant with Abraham to say, This is our covenant. The land is ours. Hashem says, I'm giving you the land from the Nile. We don't have this yet. Hagadol to all the way to the Euphrates. We don't have this. We never had it. But the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. So, you know what? I don't care. Just let's give us some peace, at least. (laughs) Give us some peace and quiet, you know. Guys, give us some peace and quiet. We we don't want to go all the way to the Nile. We don't go all the way to the Euphrates. Just give us peace and quiet. We'll be happy with what we have. Okay, let's move on. Now, what happens is Sarai, oh, yeah, yeah, Sarai, Ishid, Abram. Sarai, the wife of Abraham, never gave birth. Never gave birth. And we have this unfortunate idea that she had, which was a said, obviously a tremendous self-sacrifice. Let me give my maid to Abraham. Maybe I'll have a child through the maid. You know, this is uh, very, quite common in those days. And today it's also quite common that people, they hire someone to have the baby and uh, So this is not something, you know, it's amazing to read about it in the past, how old-fashioned this is, but, you know, it's happening today. Uh, Today, people are hiring people in third-world countries to have babies for them. Okay, so it's not so far-fetched. And uh, so Sarah, unfortunately, Sarah should have just stayed and waited and waited and waited. But again, you got to follow this idea that Orachim Uh, don't rely on miracles but she had i mean abraham was promised many times to have children, and we're going to see that later on unfortunately should have said it before hashem says after ishmael was born we're going to talk about that he says you're going to have children from sarah but he never had that promise before abraham should have said i have faith in god and i know it's going to come from you this child's going to come from you i don't need to marry Hagar, but unfortunately and this is really, again, ties into exactly what's happening today because this is the birth of Ishmael. This is the cause of all our, our problems. You know, our own relatives are our biggest problems. I don't know if you know that. Uh, sometimes, well, I'm not talking about close relatives. I'm talking about these distant the cousins that we have, Ishmael and Esau. Boy, the biggest problems we've had is from our relatives, these, these relatives, descendants of our own families, Abraham and Isaac. They had these families, uh, Abraham and Ishmael, which we're going to talk about. So what happens is she gives Hagar to her husband and straight away Hagar gets pregnant. And Hagar starts making a mockery of Sarah. Everyone thinks, Rashi tells her, everyone thinks you're a big righteous woman, but I see I'm more righteous than you. Than you. Why? I get pregnant straight away and you have these problems. Her child. She starts making a mockery, the Torah says, but her, her ma, her master, her mistress was light in her eyes. She made mockery of Sarai. Sarai blames Abraham. Abraham says, "Take your mail and do whatever you want with her." So, uh, so Sarah says something very wrong, and this is something we should never do. She says, Hashem beni u May God judge between you and me, Abraham. We should never do this because we don't know which way God's going to judge. Who knows who's more righteous? And Abraham here was was clearly very righteous. He never did anything. He never encouraged Hagar to mock Sarai. He never did anything. This is, this is Sarai. Unfortunately, she, she was mocked by this Hagar. And she blamed Abraham, unfortunately. And Abraham says, yeah, take her and do whatever you want. And obviously, she afflicted her. Now, this is a little bit of... Uh, background, this this is uh, Ramban, classic Ramban. Ramban does not spare anyone from any criticism at all. He says, you know, she shouldn't have afflicted Hagar as much as she did. And he says, because of that, we have borne affliction through the ages. For the affliction that Sarah caused Hagar, who was the convert, we have to remember, she was a convert, Hagar was a princess of Egypt, who Pharaoh gave to Sarah, and Ramban says she shouldn't have afflicted her that much. So even when you know, people are in our control, we have to be very careful not to over-afflict someone. You know, the punishment's got to bear the crime and not over-afflict. Again, this is lessons for us as well. We have to take this at heart as well. And she afflicted her and Hargar runs away. And an angel of God, now we understand this is, this is amazing because you can see the, the family of Abraham is not normal. They had revelations. Even the maid of Abraham and Sarah had revelations. She ran to the desert and the malach of Hashem appears to Hagar. In this stream, in the desert, there's an oasis. And he keeps on prodding Hagar to go back. But Yomar, Hagar, the maid of Sarah. Remember who you are. Don't run away from your destiny. Your destiny is to be the maid of Sarai. Don't make mockery of her. You are, after all, the maid. She gave you a a present. She let you marry Abraham. Where are you coming from and where are you going? In other words, think about your past and think about your future. You know, this is something which we have to do. Whenever we make a major decision, we have to think, think about our past history and think about our forefathers, where we come from where we're going, what is our plan for the future? Where are we heading for in our lives? Because where we head, we have to understand where we head, that's where our children head, that's where our grandchildren head. So we are the role models for the future generation. So he asked Hagar this pointed question. Where are you coming from? Remember, you're coming from, you're a maid of, you're the daughter of Pharaoh who was sent out of Egypt by Pharaoh because he said, you should be the maid of Sarai, who has Ruach HaKodesh, who has Hashem, helping her. Rather, you live in Abraham's house with a righteous person and live in my house. That was Pharaoh's decision. And therefore, she has to understand she came on this path. She was, a, she was a righteous Gentile. She became a convert to Judaism. And she marries. She gets the biggest prize, spiritual prize possible. She marries the most righteous person of the generation, apart from Shem, Abraham of Vinu, And she's running away. Where are you going to? Where are you going to end up? Hagar? Now, what's interesting is that Rashi says by Keturah, now, this is Hagar. Later on, Hagar uh, comes back. There's a big debate between the commentaries. Rashi says Hagar came back. Hagar came back later on after the second time she was thrown out. This is the first time she was thrown out. This is after she had a miscarriage and she never had a child and she was depressed and she ran away from, from Sarah. And the Malach keeps coming back. He says, came back four times, did I let go back? The Malach appears to Hagar to tell her, you are part of this story, Hagar. Unfortunately, Hagar is part of the story. Ishmael had to be born, unfortunately for us, unfortunately for us, but eventually Bezrad Hashem will all be good. Bezrad Hashem, it you know, will all come together, we'll all come together. We're brothers again, we'll be brothers again. All brothers will come together. <speaking in> will <Hebrew> we'll come and bring back all the children and bring back the children to their fathers, and hopefully this would include the Ishmaelites as well. Ishmael will also come back to his father, Bezra'el We know that in the Torah tells us Ishmael came back. He, he did teshuva before he died. And that's why it says he let Yitzhak go and bury Abraham before him. They both went to bury Abraham. but It says Yitzhak and Ishmael went to bury Abraham. Ishmael recognized Yitzhak's rights. So that's what the Torah says. That's, and that's a prediction for the future. Ishmael will come and live with us in peace and recognize our rights. I mean, after all, look how much land we have and look how much land they have. It's really a pity that they don't take in more refugees. And, And why are they still refugees? It's a disgrace to the Arab community that these people are still refugees with all the land they have. And even when they move to their lands, they're still refugees in Lebanon and Syria and Iraq. The Palestinians are refugees wherever they go. Why? Why don't their people accept them? Like Israel took the Jews, the Jewish refugees came to Israel. Why can't their own people accept refugees? Anyway, that's the question we have to ask Ishmael when he comes back. And Malach says, you're going to have a child. This is a very important prophecy for all of us to understand. Who is this child? <inaudible> He's going to be a crazy person. He's going to be a wild. Yadobakol, his hand's going to be at everyone. And everyone's hands are going to be on him. This Ishmael is going to be a wild person. A wild person. He's going to be a Pere Adam. You don't find that written by anyone else in the Torah. Pere Adam. Rashi says Ohev Midbarot. He's wild. He likes wilderness. He likes to hunt. Vahirovekafshat. He was a had uh, bow and arrow. Paran. He dwelt in Midbar Paran. Yadoba called his hand was everyone. He was a robber. Yadah everyone hated him and tried to push him away because he was a dangerous person. He was an outlaw. Ishmael was an outlaw and Esau his Ishmael's son-in-law was no better. Unfortunately, this came from our own, our own family, Ishmael and Esau. Mm-hmm. Our true troublemakers in the family. So Ishmael is going to be Peri Adam. So the question is, where's the noun and where's the ad- adjective? Is the noun a man? And peri, an adjective is a wild man, or it's a man who really is. That's the adjective. He looks like a man, but he's wild. The noun is wild. He was wild. He's a wild in the shape of a man. That's that's Ishmael. So uh, he's, you know, the angel predicts. Hashem's going to hear your cries. Hashem heard your cries. Ishmael got heard. But you know what? There's a beautiful Tosfot over here on the Chumash. Tosfot says. Tosfot Zekenim okay, says. Ishmael means it's in the future tense. Ishmael God will hear the future. Who will he hear? He will hear the cries of B'nai Israel when Ishmael afflict us. And there's right Hashem right now. Hashem is hearing our cries when Ishmael is afflicting us, all these rockets. I mean, everyone's, you know, everyone has it in for Israel, right? Israel, the bad guys, they're the, the colonialists, they're the bad guys. You come here and live here and listen to these rocket sirens. You come here and live and see these crashes, that are going on uh, bombardments, 5,000 bombardments. Who can live? Which other country in the world has to live in this situation? It's going to be crazy. Maybe we are crazy to live so long under these situation. What a terrible thing to do. What a terrible thing to witness at our time.
1: And here we are,
0: government after government, and here we are, rockets coming down on us. Okay, we have Iron Dome, but that's no excuse. That is, Iron Dome is, we're not relying on miracles. It's a 90%, you know, 10% miracles. And our Simchat Torah was just, this year was mad. We had a mad Simchat Torah. I had a, this is the maddest Simchat Torah in my life. Now, apart from the Yom Kippur War, that was Yom Kippur, but this is Simchat Torah. It's different. It's meant to be happy. And six sirens, seven sirens. How many sirens? Just in Yushalayim. It's, uh, we were going up and down. Instead of reading the Torah and praying, which we did in, in between, but we're going up and down the staircase, going down to the from the Smigach. And that was, it was like a crazy day. Baruch Hashem, things have improved in Yerushalayim, but it's still going on. The war is still going on. The rockets still coming down. Tel Aviv, today Ashkelon and, and Netibot and Sterod and, and the Rishon and Zion and all these places are suffering. Everyone's suffering because of these stupid rockets that has to be stopped. We need Abraham to come and help us fight. Because he was a great warrior of We will be like Abraham with both these aspects. Chesed, and the war, man of action, man of war, man of chesed, and not lose that chesed. That's the, that's the miracle. We shouldn't lose that chesed. Even though we have to fight, we should never become a Ishmael. We should never become a peri adam, lose our humanity, and just become wild people, just want to behead people, want to rip out their, their lives when they're beating and burn children alive, terrible things they did. So that's a peri adam. But you know what? This is God's plan. That was, I, you know, the Ramban, the famous Ramban in the book of Kings, the Ramban says, he says that we don't understand God's way. Why did God send Ishmael? Why did God send uh, Yeshu? He says that God must have a plan. And he says the plan is to bring all humanity back to God in different ways. Ishmael has his way of bringing humanity back to God. And Christianity had a way to bring humanity back to God. But that's the path that's rather we sure will get there. So what happens is Ishmael, this crazy person, and Abraham is promised, don't worry, Abraham, don't cry. Don't, even he will be a great man. Oh boy. Oh, yes. oh, that even Ishmael is going to be this great nation. And it's amazing how many people they have today, Ishmael. And again, promises Abraham, I'm going to give you children and I'm going to give you this land. It's coming true. It's, it's something you have to work for, something that doesn't come automatically. It's a tremendous sacrifice. And then Abraham is commanded to do break Bila. And then Abraham is promised, this promise, and, and Hashem promises Abraham with children. And Abraham says, how could it be? He falls on his face and he laughs by Yitzchak. And that's why Yitzchak is called Yitzchak. He laughed and she laughed. They both laughed with this good news. We should all laugh with good news. But it's rather strange. like this ending of the pressure. of it's the harbinger of laughter, these old old people, the old man, the old woman. How can a man 100 years old have a baby? How can Sarah, 90 years old, have a baby? Abraham says to Hashem, I wish Ishmael would live before you. Oh gosh, he's praying for Ishmael. You're right about Sarai, but Sarah will also have a son. And you will call his name Yitzhak. Like you laughed and like she's gonna laugh here we are and i'm going to fulfill my covenant with him a covenant forever this is the covenant it's keeping us going there's run through the centuries and keep us going in the future as well as our children after so there's rather this covenant will keep us going through the future we have to learn from abraham Avinu and there's we will be safe it's a cure to bring back our hostages just like Abraham really brought back his hostages. And just last point I want to make is it says Abraham was 99 years old and he had his Abraham. It says over there, but you see, he takes him outside. So, right say, say, took him outside his destiny. Hashem takes Abraham outside his destiny. And what does that mean? That means even though we are born with destinies, we have the power to go above our destinies. We'll see our With our prayers, we can change our destinies. With our actions, with our good actions, we can change our destinies. We should all try now to change our destiny. If there's meant to be a bad events, they should be changed, with our prayers, to good events. We'll see Geula. We'll see the redemption. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.